Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Hi, my name is Stan Pons, and I'm the host of Make It Clear and the president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Thank you for listening to the daily Bible teaching here on Make It Clear. From time to time, I want to bring to you Bible teachers and friends from seasons of yesterday and today who had a great influence in my life, hoping they'll add value to yours as they did mine. Well, today's guest Bible teacher and author is Dr. Mark G. Cameron. As a young boy, he came to faith in Christ through the ministry of Billy Sunday, and then later in life, he worked side-by-side side with W.B. Riley and the Northwestern Bible Schools in Minneapolis, and then with Lee Roberson at Tennessee Temple in Chattanooga. Then Dr. Cameron became the vice president of Florida Bible College when it began in 1962. Did you know he was one of the most popular Bible teachers at Florida Bible College because of his love for Jesus Christ, his love for the Word of God, his love for Jewish people, founding Seaside Mission to Jewish people in Miami, and of course to all of us as students. We'll never forget his love for his beloved wife, Miss Mary. I learned Bible doctrines and hermeneutics from his class at Florida Bible College and from his books. And today, my friends, I am happy to have you listen to one of his past messages, and hopefully you'll be as blessed from it as I was. But here's my guest today, Dr. Mark G. Cameron. boy. I just hope my grandson gets up to like that little bell and sing. I got a grandbaby now, grandson, two weeks old. Dave and Michael, brother, we all, <laughs> he's already enrolled in Florida Bible College, <laughs> 18 years from now, amen, unless the rapture's already taken, amen. Oh, I love David, and I, I just said this, you know, my wife called me up when I was up there out of Pittsburgh, says, well, hello, granddaddy, I said, well, is it Cheryl or is it David? She says, it's David. I love David. I said this, if I had four boys, I'd call them David Matthew, David Mark, David Luke, and David John. <laughs> ah, babe, praise the Lord. It's just wonderful to be here and see you. Lord's here. Boy, I tell you, follow the program like that. What you going to say? Well, just preach Jesus. That's the only thing. Kind of let you down. You know, we're kind of high right now. We're about to go up as it is. And so we just come down and down, down. And just sit down with uh, corn, bread, and and, <laughs> and green beans and corn on the cob. That's like we had yesterday up there in Tennessee. Oh, they said, we sure wish we knew you were coming. We just had fried chicken and fried pork chop, chicken and dressing, and, and ham. Not expecting us. Think of that. <laughs> oh, brother, what if they were? Well, well. <laughs> and then I'm on this diet that Dr. Bennett put me on. <laughs> Wasn't that awful, I tell you. Well, uh, I'm here, and uh, you're here, and so... Therefore, we are speaking on the peril of incomplete obedience. The peril of incomplete obedience. So the Lord Jesus said it this way, He that putteth his hand to the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom of God. 
In other words, if you begin, keep it on. The world today is built upon the very same principles as we find out that the Holy Spirit is leading us out in leading and living this Christian life. If you should ever go there to West Point, you cannot help but see, therefore, what they have in the frescoes. It says this, For the want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For the want of a shoe, the horse was lost. For want of a horse, the rider was lost. For the want of a rider, the battle was lost. The battles in life can be lost by just one lost name. In the Christian life, we find that also. As we, therefore, are getting a little older and so forth, we don't have time to make too many boo-boos. We, we don't have too many times to say, I'm going to do this, and if that doesn't succeed, then I do it this other way. What we are seeing now, we must, therefore, occupy till he comes. Bind up your opportunities because the days are evil. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. And knowing this, that the coming of the Lord Jesus is so soon upon us, we, therefore, are given it all that we have, whether we be older or younger, knowing this, that we certainly want to be ready when he comes. And as John said, not to be ashamed at his coming. In the Word of God, we find out this, that God has given us some examples. One is Cain. He himself went ahead and offered unto God the fruit of his own labor, but God had respect unto Abel, and God shows that without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin. And we find that Cain's uh, countenance was drawn, dropped, seeing that God had respect unto Abel's sacrifice, not to his own. He should have therefore gone and offered up the blood sacrifice, and then offered unto God the works and labors of his hand. But you know what? He offered unto God the labor of his hands first, and God shows it's not of works, lest any man should boast. But then, therefore, when God rejected him, he said, Why art thou counting the sad? Do you not know that the sacrifice lieth at the door? What do you mean by that? Now you have, therefore, gone against me. I have told you how to have a sacrifice. Now, therefore, you can go back and say, Now I got the cart before the horse. Now here I'm going to give the correct uh the sacrifice you want, that is the substitutionary blood sacrifice, and I will therefore have mercy upon you. But he didn't. And so we know this, that he has nothing but hell. Through the word of God, we find out that another one, that when, and that's what we can say, a farmer. Praise God for the farmer. Without them, we had all starved. And therefore, we can say this, but there's the man upon the throne, as the first king saw God told him to go ahead and to take Agag, kill him, everything about him, in and everything that pertained to the enemy. But what did Saul do? He saved Agag, saved the best of the cattle and best of the sheep. And the Lord appeared unto Samuel and said, The one that thou hast anointed, he has disobeyed me. And so here comes Samuel. And he began to say, Well, what about you? Have you done what the Lord has done? Everything the Lord has said... I've done. But he said, what's the bleeding of the sheep I hear? Oh, he said, I've saved that for the best of sacrifice. He said, don't you know this, that obedience is greater than sacrifice? 
Oh, my. Oh, that's a flimsy excuse. So we find out the man of God hewed Agag to pieces and killed out all the sheep and the oxen. And then he took, therefore, the mantle of Saul and tore it, signifying that, therefore, his kingdom had been rent from him that very hour. And though he lived for some time as the rejected one, and then he, therefore, attacked the one whom God ordained and anointed David, Yet we find out in the sight of God he was already gone, powerless, not knowing that the Spirit of God had left him. Now here we we find out this, there is a pair of not going on what God has told us to do. I remember when I getting up 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 years of age, I thought I had, oh, such an eternity to live in this life that I, I tried one thing and and then go and try another thing. But this is it. Knowing what the will of the Lord was, but trying to get her out of it. Trying to do my own thing, what I wanted to do, until finally the Lord caught up with me. And I can say from then on, I begin to say, my, look at the, just the few years that I wasted. But oh, how gracious God was to me that He gave me ways of, of getting back and get back into the groove to be used to the Lord. I have seen two of my own classmates there at the Bible College. Oh, how they suffered. Oh, how they suffered and what they went through in incomplete obedience. One of them was the greatest friend I ever had. Jim Williams came from Montana. We met there and I came from the South. That was his last year. And you know, he came right down there to the last month of school. He had been there for four years. And uh, the professor told him, says, you have three outlines in analysis, just about four or five verses to make analysis on. Jim, get those in. You can't graduate without them. Well, he got two other men, like one little outline on two verses. And they read out his name that morning of graduation as the only man not graduated. Well, he was engaged to a young lady, married her, and went on out to Montana. There he stayed for several years. And all of a sudden, I saw him one one uh, April, and I said, "Jim, have you come back to go ahead and and graduate here?" No, I'm through preaching. I come back here to get some work, and he did get the work there up there in Minnesota. Right in April, they began to take off the storm windows, put on the screen, and on this occasion, he was out there in South uh, Minneapolis with this long, tall. Uh, Double ladder taken off as a uh, uh, screen there, putting a screen on, taking off the storm. Went three stories high. The gust of wind just blew him and that off, and he fell three stories. Took him to the hospital, and there he remained several days in critical condition. Our class was the last class, the new James. And we'd call up every night, find out just how he was before we went to prayer meeting there at the dormitory. Then one night we called and they said he just passed. So the wife says, now I'm not going to take his body way back to uh, Montana. I'll just have his funeral here. And so she did. She had the school. One of the professors preached it. After the service there, they took his body out there to Greenwood Cemetery. And, and his brother Baz, who was doing the preaching there, had the old father there the, and the sister and the brother. He asked Mr. Williams, the father says, you have hope of seeing Jim again. He said, no, sir. Turned to the sister, said, you're saved, aren't you? He said, no, sir. 
Then turned to the brother. He said, I'm lost also. Right there, he said, let's get down on our knees. And he just took his Bible out and he led the father and the sister and the brother to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ by the casket of Jim. You know what? God got more glory out of the death of Jim than he did his life. Now, God tells us that we are not our own because we have been bought with a price, and therefore God says, glorify God in your body. God's going to get glory out of our lives if he has to take it. This, this is just not what we talk about playing at church. This is reality. And once we know what God would have us to do, then watch God Therefore, and we do what God tells us, look at the blessing come. Of course the testing's for the blessing. Of course there's going to be trials. Think it not strange concerning the fire trials that are to try you in this Christian life. Why, certainly, that's in it. It's in everything, but, oh, where would we be if it were not for the Lord? One of the greatest examples that we have here of uh, incompleteness and the peril of partial obedience is found over here in Exodus in the life of Israel. Shall we go over here to the 13th chapter of Exodus? That's a long introduction, wasn't it? Well, I can, just like I was hearing about one preacher who was preaching on when Israel, you know, came to the twelve wells with the seventy palm trees. One lady was talking to another lady and she said, Oh, I never knew there was so much upon 12 palm trees, uh, 12 wells. said, wait till he gets through with each one of those 70 palm trees. Well, we're not going to do that. But you know what? As we go here, we find out this now. Israel's about on the move. She had been there in Egypt for 430 years. Israel had been oppressed and become slaves for 400 years. God told Abraham many years before this, says that therefore his own seed should go into a country, and there they should be afflicted for 400 years, but they should come up with great substance in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not full. God said, all right, I want Israel to go, get out of Egypt, go into the promised land, and liquidate the Amorites, the Hittites, the Gergesites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Seven great nations, greater than they. I want them, therefore, to be my policemen and rid the land of these people. So we find out this, they're on the way. God sends Moses, and he said, Whom shall I say has sent me? He says, Say that I am has sent thee. The I am. Again, we bring this up. We say it so many times. Oh, did you know God is the only one living in the present? I came home one day. I was talking to Miss Mary, my wife. I said, honey, I said, we just found out in Bible doctrine that we do not have a present. We live either in the future or in the past. She said, that's silly. I said, no, it's not. She said, we do have a present. I said, no. She said, I can prove we have a present. I said, prove it. She said, now. I said, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> She said, now. I say, it's gone too. Amen. So you can't hold on to now, can you? And only God is the great I am. He's not any older today than he was yesterday. And he won't be any older tomorrow than he is today. Amen. And so therefore, we find out, he, uh, he told Moses, say, tell them that the great I am has sent thee. So then, therefore, God says, now I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Not to harden his heart so that he go to hell. He's already a vessel fit for wrath. But therefore, to show God's great judgment upon ten of the great uh, 
gods of the Egyptians. All of these plagues that God sent were a direct attack of the gods of the Egyptians. And for this reason, Israel were worshiping them. Been a long time since they've been worshiping Jehovah, the true Elohim Adonai of Israel. And so we find out this, that they worshiped the Nile, God turned it to blood. They worshiped Ra, the sun, God turned it to sackcloth, darkness, that could be felt. They worshiped the frog, God sent them plenty of frogs. They worshiped the land, God turned it to lice. They worshiped the cattle, and God put murrain upon it. They even worshiped the firstborn, and so God took the firstborn. They believed that therefore the firstborn among cattle and men had a little spark of divinity in them, so God took it. But God gave a way of escape of Israel because this whole condemnation came upon Israel as it well as it did upon the Egyptian, and he gave them, as we do know, the Passover lamb. Kill it. On the fourteenth day, take hyssop, which is a type of a, of a faith, dip it into the blood, put it upon the doorpost and upon the top post, and Jehovah says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. My all oh, this last plague, and out they came with great substance. All oh, deliverance, salvation by the blood of the Lamb. Have you ever noticed this, that so many people today are telling us that we must quit sin, give up sin before we get saved? Well, that's just like telling Israel, come out of Egypt and then eat the Passover Lamb. No, they are to eat the Passover Lamb, then get out of Egypt. Amen. So therefore, in this life, we take Jesus Christ as our Savior and then walk in newness of life. Amen. And get out. Yes. Oh, God doesn't want us to remain where we are. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Come on, let's go. Israel, therefore, were to have their lawns girded. They were to have their shoes upon their feet. They were to have, therefore, the staff in their hand and eat the Lord's Passover in haste. You're going out of Egypt. God would have us to get out of this terrible sin we've been doing. Only by the grace of God can we do that. But we are to walk in newness of life after we're born again. By grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not a work, so that any man should boast. Absolutely. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which he hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Amen. Do good works after we're saved, not before. Oh, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that the dying worldliness and ungodliness we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present evil age, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy has saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Now, oh, there is a life to live after we're saved. Not to keep ourselves saved, but because we are. Why? Anyone for be a human being? Yeah. I don't want to be a dog, do you? No. <laughs> My goodness, I have a most beautiful dog you've ever seen in your life. OBK, Bertha Krupp, you know. <laughs> And, and, and my, I go out there and I just talk to that dog and nearly jumps the fence when he's, when she sees me for the first time. Oh, I love it, but I don't want to be a dog. You know what? If a Christian's a Christian, what should a Christian want to do? If he's a child of God, what should a child of God want to do? Amen. Let's get out of Egypt. Amen. Deliverance from the, from the destroyer. Yes. Deliverance from the Red Sea. Yes, deliverance from from uh, Pharaoh. Yes, deliverance, deliverance, deliverance. Now God said, let's go. If this is so beautiful here in the 13th chapter. It says this, the 17th verse, And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them 
not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they should see war and they return to Egypt. He led them by Philistia three days and they had been into the promised land. So many of us who graduate from Bible colleges, Bible schools and so forth, can't understand why God doesn't put us in the first church of a big town just as soon as we get out. We have to learn war a little bit. And God says he's afraid that we would see war. We'd be so discouraged that we'd go back years ago. When I was there at Northwestern Bible School, a church called me down there in Birmingham, Alabama, sight unseen, and called me. And when I went down there, they introduced me to the Sunday school crowd as their new pastor, got up and introduced me to the morning crowd as their new pastor, and called me, oh, brother. I was thrilled to death. My, my uh, first church, after getting through Bible school, and I, I remember when uh, someone said, don't you try to get a big first church when you get out, but they had over 500 in Sunday school. I said, I've got it made. Well, I got on the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ being essential in the gospel, for Paul says, for you know, Second Timothy 2, 8, that Christ rose from the dead according to my gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ for the payment of our sin, period, plus nothing, minus nothing. And I got up on the resurrection being this, if you don't believe the resurrection, you're not saved. Well, did you know that night everything was all right? And I was about ready to go into the pulpit, and a man just came into the, to the uh, uh, pastor study there where I was praying there, and he said, Brother Pastor says, I would just want to give you some, a little tip. I said, well, you're not going to get this church. I said, I've already got it. He said, I, he said, what do you mean? I said, they called me this morning. He said, they uncalled you this afternoon. <laughs> Goodness gracious. I said, how come? They said that that man whose class you was in this morning doesn't believe in the resurrection. He said this, and he gave them an ultimatum. If they called you, then therefore uh, he would give his resignation. So I said, well, thank you for warning. Sure enough, in 10, 15 minutes, they came and told me. Goodness I can't understand it. Years later, I was there in Chattanooga, talking to Lee Robinson. I said, Dr. Robinson, I said, uh, did you ever hold any revivals at a certain church in Birmingham? He said, I held three there. I said, did you know they called me? He said, were you the one Dr. Riley sent down there? I said, yeah. And you're the one that they rejected finally? I said, yeah. He said, you can just praise the Lord you didn't take it. I said, why? He said, in six months, they gave him... There, that pastor they called and said to you, his walking papers, and he was a year before he got another church. I said, oh, praise the Lord. God was, didn't want me to have it. Why? He's afraid when I see war. I didn't know people fussed in church. <laughs> I never saw a church fuss in my life. Oh, everything was so wonderful, you know. Why, man, they got up there and began wanting my resignation. I, I said, is this it? I don't know whether I stick it out or not, you know. I might go back, let's go back to Egypt, amen. Just like the children of Israel were. So God said He led them into the wilderness that they might try Him. Now, this, this is what we say. God could have led them by the way of Philistia three days, been much nearer. But He was afraid that they would see war, and therefore He led them by the wilderness that they might prove Him. And oh, how they did. He gave them water. 
He gave them uh, food, manna, gave them flesh, and he did not let their clothes uh, wax old. Oh, they saw the deliverance of God Almighty. It certainly did. Now, God wants us to have a two-year wilderness experience, not for it. Oh, yeah, my Lord knows the way through the wilderness. Yes, He does, but He doesn't want you there 40 years. Amen? Come on! Some of you right now are disappointed because you didn't get this, or you didn't get this, or this call didn't come. Listen, God's afraid you'll see war, and so therefore He wants you into the wilderness a while. Brother Cameron, have you had that? Have I ever? My students have heard this, you know. A young man came up to me, just been saved two weeks. Came there to school, three weeks now, two weeks before he came to school. And he said, Dr. Cameron, may I ask you something? Yes. He said, I want what you've got. I said, son, do you believe that you were a sinner on your way to hell? Yes. Did you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? Yes. Believe that He, the Son of God, paid for your sins? He rose again from the dead, and you're trusting Him without any works, just Him alone? Yes, sir. I said, you got what I got. Well, did you know what? The next next year he came, and he said, Brother Cameron, said, i got something to talk to you about. I said, all right. He said, you know, I went in summer school this year. I said, I noticed that. He said, right after uh, classes there in May, he said, I went ahead and bought some beans and some bread. And I rented a tent and rented a motorboat and went down the Tennessee River and got on one of those islands down there and pitched my tent. And for ten days, for ten days I prayed as I ate beans and bread. Oh, God, give me what Dr. Cameron's got. (laughs) Give me what Dr. Cameron's got. Oh, I, I see what he wanted. He wanted maturity. He wanted a three days journey into it instead of a two week year one. So I said, son, I understand what you want. You can have what I got. Oh, he says, show me. I said, there's a price to pay. Anything. I said, let's get down here. Lord, thank you for this young man saved a year. Oh, Lord, he's engaged to this wonderful girl now. We pray that she'll break up the engagement. Give him a good dear John letter. <laughs> Then, oh, Lord, we pray you let him lose his job down here and may be be without any work for a long time and get him poor as can be that he can't even pay his tuition. And, Lord, get him sick and put him there in the hospital and let him get near to death's door and then barely heal him at the very last. (laughs) For Jesus' sake, amen. He got up and he said, isn't that kind of strenuous? I said, that's what I got. <laughs> Amen. Oh, brother. <laughs> I've been there in that wilderness. I certainly have. Well, I don't want 38 years up more of it. Amen. Here we are. Now we come two years. And they have the law of God. They're 11 days journey from Sinai. And God takes them to Kadesh Barnier, the golden gateway to the promised land. God says, go take it. Go take it. I can see some of those dignified elders of Israel say, <clears throat> we're going a little bit too fast. <laughs> Some of the deacons say, yes, I'm, I want to make a motion. 
Some of those assistant pastors were going around, yes, I think Moses is a little hasty about this thing. <laughs> they said, now, are you, do you really, really believe he really wants us to have it? Do you really? Let us send out spies, one from each tribe, and let them go out and spare out the land, let them come back. And we're told this, that this pleased the Lord. When they came back in 40 days, they all said, It is a land flowing with milk and honey. You have never seen a land like it. But 10 of them, the majority report says, But they're giants there. Come on, Israel. 11 days journey from Sinai. 11 in the Word of God. Wherever you find 11, it always, not just 11, but 11, the number 11 means incompleteness. One more day's journey, they've been in the promised land. One more day's journey, and all of these hills would have been captured. One more day's journey, and the giants would have fallen beside before them. One more day's journey, and the land was theirs. What did they say? Would to God we died in this world. Would to God. Oh, our poor little children are going to fall a prey to these terrible giants. The Lord says, be careful how you pray. I want to kick around as long as I can. How about you? Amen. <laughs> Would to God we had died in this wilderness. God says you shall die in this wilderness. All those 20 years old and upward will die. And your children that you thought would fall a prey, they're the ones that are going in and possess it. For every day the spies went out, you'll spend a year in the wilderness. Forty days. Forty years. They already had two years, so God said, all right, 38 more days, years, until all 20 years old and upward have died. And at the very end is when Moses struck the rock the second time. But it was in that 38 years, and he said this to Israel, you have caused me not to go in and possess the land. If you had gone into the land, I would have gone in with you. But because of your disobedience, I had to go with you. And therefore, I have disobeyed God. And therefore, I will not be able to go in. Oh, my. I had a church there in Minneapolis. And I wanted them to do things. The money was there. The lots were there. They had everything just to rise up and go. And I said, brethren, there's... There's... this." Perilous. Not only is it sinful, but it's foolish and it's criminal for not going all the way when God is leading. I said, now brethren, Moses had to go back into the wilderness for 38 years and die with them. I said, not your pastor. I said, I'm getting out and let you just stay in there. Amen. I gave him a resignation. Amen. Look what has happened. 
I've been in the promised land ever since. Amen. Oh, let me tell you this. Oh, that's the peril of partial obedience. One more day's journey. Thirty-eight years would have been saved. And two million four hundred thousand could have gone in and possessed the land then. What are we going to do about all these things? We're told to have them for admonition. This can happen in our life. Oh, I can tell you, oh, men after men, missionary after missionary, pastors after pastor, teacher after teacher, businessmen, businesswomen, who therefore stopped and didn't go into the land in faith that God said, here it is, take it. Oh, I've said this. Oh, my goodness. I've gone ahead of the Lord so many times, but I don't think I've ever pulled back. Oh, my. Oh, to not do what God tells you when you know what the will of the Lord is. You mean say you can tell what the will of the Lord is? Sure. They knew what the will of the Lord is, go and possess the land. They knew what the will of the Lord is when God says, don't go by Felicia, go down there for two years. They knew the will of the Lord. Brother Cam, you mean say so you found the will of the Lord? Yes, I used to find the will of the Lord. How? How did you find the will of the Lord? Oh, just like you did. When I first started. Got there <laughs> my senior year at Northwestern. I said, oh Lord, I need five dollars so bad. Oh Lord, send me five dollars. And you know about that time, telephone rang. Said, may we speak to Mr. Cameron? And they called me to the phone. Mr. Cameron, yes, this is Mr. So-and-so, so-and-so church, yes. I pastor sick tonight. Can you come and preach for us tonight? We'll give you five dollars. I'll say, I'll be there. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. Thirty minutes later, telephone rang. They want, may I speak to Mr. Cameron? I went there, Mr. Cameron, I, you don't know me, but you have been recommended to us. We over here in this other church here. I pastor been on vacation, didn't make it tonight. Could you come and preach for us? We'll give you ten dollars. Uh-oh, I said, I got a little bit quick on the trigger there. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness gracious. If I just hadn't waited just a minute, I said, uh, could I call you back? <laughs> he said, you certainly can. I said, I'll call you back in about 15 minutes. See about some arrangements, okay? So I picked out a coin and, and I said, Father, if you want me to go to that one that's <laughs> five dollars, make it heads. Lord, if you want me to go to that one that's $10, make it tails. Amen? Okay. Yes. I said, Lord, two out of three. <laughs> oh, oh, man. <laughs> You've done the same thing. Amen. You're putting out your fleece. <laughs> oh, Lord, if you do that, I know you want me to do that. Uh-uh. The Bible says understanding what the will of the Lord is. No fleeces, no flip in the corn. Can no. Brother Cameron, can I go and do this as a Christian? No. Well, I haven't told you what it is yet. You, you already told me you, you're convicted about it already. Amen. All to know the will of God and God lets His will be known. We just give this little thing to find out. 
You say, Brother Cameron, honestly, I haven't said the word too much. Can you give me, in a nutshell, what, what to know the will of God? Yes. If you're deciding one way or another, if it's the will of God, is it scriptural? Is there a need? Will I be happy in it? That's not for those who are fighting the will of God. If you're fighting the will of God, you already know it right now. But do you want to know the will of God? You, some of you right now have been called to a church, maybe three churches. They usually come in uh, two or three at a time. And then you have to ask the Lord which one to take, and you want the will of the Lord. Is Don't flip that coin. No. And then, uh, then take what God would have you to have. All, don't stop but go on. You know, I was reading some time ago about the requirements of uh, Texas Rangers. Oh, they, they, those Texas Rangers really, really were men, were they not? And uh, they said that down in Texas they had a rebellion down there on the border. And they wired and said, please send us uh, some of these Texas Rangers. And, 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 and sure enough, in 12 hours, here came one ranger. <laughs> <laughs> they said, this, but we call for a bunch of rangers. He said, how many insurrections you got here? They said, one. He said, I'm enough. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Here were the requirements of absolute honesty, absolute fearlessness, and absolute dependable. Boy, faithfulness. Those were the requirements that Samuel Houston started when he started the, the Texas Ranger, and it continued to go on. Absolute honesty. Absolute fearlessness and absolute dependable integrity. And we just say this absolute God wants us wholeheartedly, completely yielded to Him for the honor and the glory of God. Thy will be done is the greatest will in this whole wide world. The most powerful will. The greatest will. The best will. <laughs> I gave this yesterday morning. The people nearly died. They didn't know whether to laugh or not. You know, when we first started our school 14 years ago, only 38 of us. And always talking about the soon appearing of the Lord Jesus. One young lady hollered out, No! Because I didn't know what in the world was the matter. I said, What's the matter, honey? I don't want him to come. I said, You don't want Jesus to come? No! I said, Why, why what's the matter? She said, I'm engaged to be married. And I want to marry first. <laughs> In three years, she wished he had come. <laughs> ah. Any wonderful serve the Lord Jesus, any wonderful, bless his holy name that died for our sins and rose again bodily from the dead for our justification, making the perfect payment for our sin and the perfect purgation for our sins. And therefore... He is able to save to the uttermost them that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Oh, isn't it wonderful to be a Christian 
and the Christian life to love the Lord, to love lost souls, to love one another, to love the, the brotherhood, to love the work of God, to love missions, to love the pastors, to love the church, to love the mission boards. Oh my! For Christ to live through us, oh, it's a wonderful life. No one can enjoy that life until first they become a Christian. Jeffrey Smith said, nobody can live the Christian life but a Christian. Joy, I don't have it. You're not born again. I have no happiness. You need to be born again. There's no prospect of the coming of the Lord Jesus that has any, any drive to me. You need to be born again. How can a man be born when he is old? As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's all through Jesus. He's been lifted up upon the cross, dying and has died for the sins of the whole wide world, and he rose bodily from the dead. The payment's been made. Salvation is yours. It's on, yours by the gift, by you receiving him. As many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Christ is our Passover slain for us. We have taken the hyssop, as it were, the brush-like bush, of faith and placed it into the precious blood of Jesus Christ and applied to the doorposts and the topposts of our hearts. And therefore, God said, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. When I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. God commended his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, before we had a chance to clean up, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who himself bear our sins in his own body on the tree. He, therefore, was put to death in the flesh, but raised by the Spirit, the just dying for the unjust. Perfect substitution. He took not upon himself the nature of angels, but the seed of Abraham, and was made like unto his brethren, and he tasted death for every man. And he rose again. The payments made. Salvation is ours by our faith and trust in Him. And Him only, no works whatsoever. Salvation from sin and from hell. Become a new creature and a creation in the Lord Jesus by simply just saying, Lord, I trust you. I accept you as my Savior. Thanks for listening to Make It Clear and to today's special guest, Dr. Mark Cameron. My name is Stan Pons, and I'm your host and president of Florida Bible College. If you'd like to know more about Florida Bible College and how it has classes on campus, online, and even on site, please visit our website at floridabiblecollege.com. That's floridabiblecollege.com. 
We're also very grateful for all those who support Make It Clear. It's through your prayers and financial support that we're having such a local and global impact with the truth of the gospel that so clearly states salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. Well, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior and you would like to be a part of helping us get this message out to others, you may send your gift to Make It Clear, Post Office Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. That's Make It Clear, Post Office Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Or you can go to our website, makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org and use the secure donate link. You may also request your free devotional called The Word for You Today. Well, thank you so much for listening today and be back next time for Make It Clear. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.